Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How we doing, 10 o'clock? We good? We good? You guys sounded great today. You got a lot of energy. I like that. Keep that up. I preach better, and I preach shorter if you give something back. All right? Let's see. That's just me. That's just me. I was trying to help you, and you hurt me. That's what happens. No, I'm saying, if you're just sitting there stuck, I'm like, this is not connecting. i got to circle back and say that three or four more times. So if you hang with me, it just helps me a lot. Hey, we're glad that you're here. Thank you so much. That's good. So, hey, uh, we are glad that you're here. And listen, I, you may have caught it on your way in today as you were driving in. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you heard it as we were sneaking it into the video announcements. But i got great news for you. We are officially in construction season downstairs. All right? So if you're kind of new with us, maybe you don't know how this is happening or what I'm even talking about. So earlier uh, in last year, in the late summer, early fall, uh, we made the decision as a leadership team, as our staff, our trustees, to, uh, to, to take over the space that was previously occupied by Sears downstairs, an additional 12,000 square feet, which will allow us to increase our capacity uh, to really serve more people more effectively. And so we're thankful for that. And so we started that process. And it has been a season of great patience as we waited on plans and permits and all kinds of things. And so we were patient, and then we were waiting some more, and then we were patient, and then we were impatient. We had to repent of that, and then we were patient some more, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. But this past week, they got started on construction, and man, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I don't know a lot about the construction specifics and the timelines and the logistics, but there are people who do it for a living that tell me, you know, that downstairs is pretty much an empty space, and so the construction itself will go relatively quickly. Uh, there are a few things that will take a little more time. So all of pretty much what you've experienced today upstairs will be transitioned down into that space. So it'll be a worship space that will be approximately double the size of what you're sitting in right now. The lobby will be two or three times the size that it is. We'll have much larger bathroom suites for men and women. We'll have an elevator and staircase that will join the two levels because then upstairs in this space where we're sitting right now will be our G Kids, a grade school environment on Sunday mornings and our generation youth environment on Wednesday night. More dedicated space for them. And so we're excited about that. And so we'll talk a little bit more about it next week, kind of update you on the financing of the project. But man, we're so excited about what God's doing. We're thankful for that. So one more time, if you're excited about it, can we put our hands together and just thank God for this season that we're in? I'm really excited. I can't wait to just see how things go. We hope to be in there according to what they're telling us. We don't hit any snags things. We should be in there in a few short months, maybe uh, mid to late spring, which we're excited about. So we'll keep you updated. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about it next Sunday as well. So we'll keep you updated along the journey. Today, we are continuing in this series we started two weeks ago called Live Like It Matters. And the first week of this series, we talked about that our hope for you, our desire for you, is that you wouldn't just live kind of wandering through life and reacting to everything that comes your way, but you would live with intention and purpose, that you would truly see your marriage or your parenting or your job or your schooling or the way you conduct your finances or your interaction with the people in your life as something that you need to do with intention and live as if that interaction and that place and that thing has purpose and that it's a part of the story that God is writing in and through your life. And so we talked about for us as a church, what we want to do is to help to equip you and to help to serve you in ways that help you to live like it matters. So the first week we talked about the idea that we believe you really can know God. 
not just know about him, but that you can truly know him personally, like in a relationship with him where you can talk to him and he speaks into your life and speaks truth to you, that you can actually have conversations with him through prayer, that you can be comforted by his presence. Like it's not some, you know, ambiguous thing out there in the cosmos somewhere that he, he desires to intimately know you and for you to intimately know him. Last week, we talked about the idea that we wanted to help you to find community. And we launched our G groups, and so you could start signing up. All of those groups begin meeting over these next couple of weeks, these next weeks or week or two. And so we launched 33 groups this semester to help hundreds and hundreds of people that call this place home to find community and biblical relationship with one another. So there's groups for men and women and, and students and kids, and there's Bible study and theological discussions, and there's activity groups like game nights and softball teams and all those kind of things where you can be in community with one another. So if you haven't already done so, I encourage you to go to our website, sign up for a group, and begin to attend that group over the next few weeks because we believe that we are not called to live in isolation, but we are called to live in community. So today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of discovering purpose. If you're going to live like it matters, then you have to know what you were created for. You know, the great philosopher and theologian Mark Twain said this. He said the two most important days in a person's life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. The two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. Now, the day that you're born, that's an important day because for the rest of your life, whenever the calendar shows that day, you get cake. That's a great day, in my opinion. If you go to a Mexican restaurant, you get sopapillas, which is even better, okay? So that's a good day on your calendar. You need to keep that one in mind. But the other great important day in your life is when you truly discover why you were created, when you discover, like, why are you on the earth? What am I here for? I'm not just, you know, created to kind of wander through life aimlessly. I'm not just reacting to everything that comes my way. But I want to live with great purpose. I want to discover what it is that God had in mind when he created me. The Psalms tell us that we were knit together in our mother's womb. Now, you can look at me and tell I'm probably not a knitter, right? But when I see people who are knitters and they're skilled in that way, they take great care in the design and, and as they put that together with, a, with an idea in mind about the pattern or the colors or the things that are going to go together. And they, they work almost, it seems like, with such ease. But for me, I can't even figure it out as their, their hands move and, and they're, I'm watching this incredible skilled person create something with purpose. That's the image that you need to get when you think about how God created you. He knit you together with great intention and great purpose in your mother's womb. And so God had a purpose in mind. We've said around here for quite some time that we believe you were created on purpose for a purpose. It's not just a tagline. It's not just something that we want you to kind of get into your mind so you can say it too. We truly believe that God created you on purpose with great intention, with great creativity. You know, and there's so many things that you can point to, but, you know, my sister-in-law was sitting with us yesterday at a, at a sports game, and she was looking at our, young, our youngest son, our third child, Tucker, looking at Tucker's eyes and just looking at the unique colors, she was, man, he's got beautiful eyes. And looking at the unique colors and the, the way that his eyes were created. And, and just to think that God intentionally, skillfully crafted Tucker's eyes. And he did so in a unique way from your eyes or my eyes or the person's eyes that sit next to you. Your fingerprint is unique to you. And so God had intention. He had strategy in mind when he was creating you on purpose. But he didn't just create you on purpose. He created you for a purpose. There is something that God desires for you to do. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. This is in the message paraphrase of Scripture. It says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. 
It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Now think about this. Those two pieces right there are perhaps the two greatest struggles in our culture currently. Where people are struggling to figure out, who am I? What is my identity? Like, who am I? How was I created? Why was I created? Like, they're just trying to figure that piece out for themselves. And maybe that's something that you struggle with today. Who you are. It's in Christ that you discover who you are. And then the second piece of that is to discover what you're living for, why you are here, what is the purpose, what is the idea. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is a famous verse of scripture in the context of God speaking through the prophet to the children of Israel, but speaks so much truth to us. It says that for God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God has a future in mind for you. He has a hope for you. He has a, a desire for the way that your life is lived out. It is not that you just, again, wander through life reacting to everything that comes your way, but that you, you work with great intention. You work with great strategy as you follow after and pursue after God. You don't just get into an airplane, right? And you just go, hey, I'm just going to go wherever this takes me. I mean, there's a lot of safety protocols that won't allow you to do that anyway. Whenever you get on an airplane, you do so knowing what the destination is. Well, God has a destination in mind for you. And obviously some of us that are, you know, kind of been in the church a little longer, we've read through scripture, we assume that what we're talking about right there is heaven. And I believe in heaven. And I believe that all of us are destined to spend an eternity somewhere. And my hope is that you would spend eternity in heaven with God. But if the ultimate destination of your life was only heaven, then I believe that the moment that you were saved, the moment that you prayed that prayer of salvation... If the next thing that God wanted you to experience was heaven, that as soon as you prayed that prayer, immediately you'd be taken to heaven. And if that's not the case, then I believe there's something that God desires to do in and through your life in that period between salvation and eternity. So how do we fill that space? What is it that we do on the earth while we're waiting on God to fulfill that eternal destination? What is that purpose for our current destination, our current place of living? What is it? Who are we and what are we living for? I mean, maybe today you've kind of walked into this place and you're here because this is where you come on Sundays or you're here because someone invited you or you're here because someone said they'd buy your lunch if you showed up today. I don't know. And if so, and if they're buying, tell me where we're going. I'll meet you there. All right. So I don't know how you got here. But I believe in a room like this, because I've spent a number of years in ministry and in conversation with so many people, I believe some of us walked in today, and we just don't know what our purpose is. We just, we don't know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We just kind of get up tomorrow, and it's Monday, and so we just go to work. Maybe it's a job we hate. Maybe it's a job we love. Maybe it's no job at all. We fight with the people that live under the same roof. We don't feel like people understand us. We don't feel like people care for us. We're not sure when we communicate if we're being understood, and we're not sure what we're supposed to do beyond just doing the same thing over and over every single day. And we lay our head on our pillow at night, and we say, there's got to be more than this. Well, I've got good news for you today. There is. There is more than that. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Now, as a church... What we want to do is try to help you to discover your purpose. We want to help you discover how you fill that space between salvation and your eternal destination. And one of the ways that we have constructed to try to help you to do that, which feels a little more programmatic 
is what we call Discovery Track. Now, Discovery Track is something that we've kind of pulled pieces from other churches, and we pulled pieces from Scripture, and we pulled pieces from best practices that we've experienced over the time that we've been in existence. It's different than uh, what we used to do called Canton Life, which would meet once maybe a month or twice a month, but it was kind of a singular piece where you would just go and kind of hear about who we are, and we hear about who you are, and then we kind of give you like 38 different options of things that you could do and how you can plug in. So what we've done is we've, we've crafted, with the help of others, we've crafted this thing we're calling Discovery Track. And here's what Discovery Track looks like. Discovery Track is a four-week journey that we want you to take. It's a four-week, every single month. It corresponds with what Sunday of the month it is. So today is like the fourth Sunday of the month, so it's week four of Discovery Track. And every single week, all month long, there is a different environment for you to jump into. And you can go any, any of those weeks. You can jump in anytime. You don't have to start at week one. You can start at week four. But ultimately, the ideal way for you to do it is to get in week one, go to week two, go to week three, go to week four, and complete this discovery track. Because we believe that's the most engaging and empowering way for you personally. And so next week starts week one of Discovery Track. We think you should jump in. It meets at 10 o'clock every single Sunday. The only weeks all year long that it doesn't meet is any month that has a fifth Sunday. So there's not Discovery Track on that day. So maybe you just go ahead and make plans that next week you're going to attend the 8.30, or if your clock doesn't have an 8.30, you can go to the 11.30 service, <laughs> right? And you could go to Discovery Track at 10 o'clock. And so you jump into Discovery Track, and each of those four weeks is unique. The content is not repetitive. It's not the same. You jump in next week, and what we're going to talk to you a little bit about is we're going to start by just kind of letting you hear our story, maybe learning a little bit about your story, and helping you understand how you can really be a part of what God is doing here. You don't have to sign it in a blood covenant. You don't have to give us your routing number, anything like that. It just says, hey, here's an opportunity for you to maybe learn about us and determine, is this a place that I want to be connected and then in week two, we kind of flip the script and we point it back at you and we say, hey, let us help you to discover your unique design. If God did knit you together in your mother's womb, if God had great intention and purpose as he was creating you, then how can we help you to determine that purpose? You may walk into that environment and you know a few things about yourself. You know some things you think you're good at and some things that you think you're not too good at. You know some things that you're passionate about and some things that you know you are absolutely not passionate about. And so we want to help you in that environment in week two of Discover Track. We want to help you to determine your unique design. And then weeks three and four kind of go hand in hand a little bit. And it's how we connect all of these pieces together to take a little bit of our story, a little bit of your story, a little bit of the places that you can make a difference, and a little bit of the ways that God's created you and uniquely wired you. And we put all of those things together in weeks three and four and help you determine what is a next step if there is one for you here at Generations Church. And so we want you to get onto the discovery track. Even if you've attended Canton Life at some point in our past, we want you to jump into that because we believe it will help you be more fulfilled in life because it's going to help you have greater clarity about us and about you. We think it's important because we believe that God has great purpose for you. And as long as this is a place that you call your church home, your church family, as long as you're kind of hanging around here, we want to help you not just be on the fringes, but to help you discover why it is that God might have brought you here for such a time as this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this. It says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Your purpose doesn't start with me. It doesn't start with a need in the church. It doesn't start with the seat that you're sitting in. Your purpose starts with the creative design of God, and it's through him, and it's for him. You were created through him. You bear the image of God 
in the way that you live, but also the purpose that you have is for his glory and his honor. It's not for you to get glory. It's not for you to get fame. It's not for me to get fame. It's not for our church to get glory. It is ultimately for God's glory. And so we believe that there's great purpose. But here's what happens sometimes. We get in a rush to find that purpose and to fulfill that purpose. All right. Now I've already told you, you've got great purpose. God desires to do great things. And so sometimes we're like, okay, sign me up. I'm in. I want to do it. I want to know it. I want to be in. It It makes me think about a story in the Old Testament. It was a guy by the name of Moses. Moses is a name you're probably familiar with, even if you're not a person of faith. But maybe you don't know all the details of his story. So just in a nutshell, let me just kind of summarize Moses' story. When his mother was pregnant with him, there was a decree that was given out by the Pharaoh of that time that said, we're going to kill all of the baby boys of that day that are being born. And so Moses' mother didn't want her child to be killed, and so she crafts this plan that she's going to put him into a basket, put him out into the water, and his sister there hangs nearby and sees who comes to, to find Moses in the basket. Well, wouldn't you know it, it was... Pharaoh's daughter, and he, she comes down, and she finds the baby, and so the sister runs up and says, hey, you know, I know someone who could, you know, nurse this baby and care for this baby, and so eventually Moses, after being cared for, even by his mother, he eventually makes his way into Pharaoh's house, and he is raised in Pharaoh's house. God has a unique calling and purpose for Moses to set his Hebrew brothers and sisters free from the bondage of captivity that they find themselves in in Egypt. These Egyptians are controlling them. They have enslaved them. And God desires to use Moses to bring them out of captivity and deliver them into the promised land, into the promises of God, to their destiny, to their future. So there's a unique purpose that is given to Moses. Well, one day he comes out of the palace and he sees one of his Hebrew brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian. And so he thinks, okay, this is my moment. This is the moment that I step forth and I defend my brothers and sisters and I care for them and I provide for their freedom. And so he goes up and intervenes in this interaction. He eventually kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. He doesn't want anybody to know what happens because as soon as he does it, he realizes, oh, that was probably not good. He goes to bed that night. I'm not, I don't know. I'm, it's not recorded in scripture, but I'm not sure for when he goes to bed. He's like, what have I done? I, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't what God wanted me to do. The next day he gets up and he's walking around and he sees another quarrel that's taking place, another argument, another fight. And as he's about to intervene, one of them says to him, he says, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And he gets scared. He's afraid now because people know. People know what he's done. People know who he is. Now he's a murderer. Maybe he's not somebody that God could use for great purposes. And so he takes off and he runs out into the wilderness. He spends years in the wilderness, eventually tending his father's sheep out there in the wilderness. And one day as he's tending his father's sheep, he's on the run from his purpose. He's hiding out from those who have accused him. All of a sudden, a bush catches on fire. It begins to burn, but it is not consumed. And the voice of God speaks to him from the bush and calls his name Moses. And he turns aside and he comes to that bush and the the bush says to him, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. And in that moment, God gives him specific instructions about what he is supposed to do. And there's so many great truths in the story of Moses. We could spend the rest of this year talking about these incredible truths that come from the story of Moses. But when I think about this part of his story, it reminds me that you have to be patient with your purpose. You have to be patient and allow for preparation for your purpose. I remember when I was a little younger, I was much younger, my brother, I have one sibling, he's about two and a half years younger than me, and today I'm jealous because he and his wife are on vacation in New York City, and so I'm really jealous, I hope it rains all day, no, I don't, I'm just kidding, I hope it's great weather, great weather, Lord sanctify me, anyway, so, um, 
So he's two and a half years younger. And I remember when he was in middle school, I remember he was struggling in school. He had some attention issues and, and, and he was struggling in seventh grade, specifically in the subject of math. And I've, I've told part of this story before. And as he was struggling in math, one day he came home and it looked like he had gotten a puppy for Christmas. He was so excited. He didn't come home most days like that because it was like a stressful season for, for schooling for him. And so he comes home. And he's like, Mom, Dad, look at this. They sent a letter home. I'm not the only person struggling in that class. Maybe it's not us, the students. Maybe there's a problem with the teacher. I don't know. She's not great. She doesn't explain some things. So like, here's a letter. The principal says that we can change classes. We can get into a different class with a different teacher. Or maybe we can just kind of skip this entire semester of seventh grade math. All you have to do is sign this paper. How awesome is that? And he's so excited, and my parents look at it, they read through it, and I, I think they probably called some people at the school to kind of determine, like, what's going on here? And, and my brother just assumed, like, I'm stressed. This is, this is causing me a lot of, a lot of anguish. I, I'm upset about it. I'm not doing good in it. So, like, this is awesome. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like a get-out-of-math-free card. Like, who wouldn't want that? All you got to do is sign the paper. And I remember the night that my dad, sitting there with my mom and my brother, and I was kind of eavesdropping. I was acting like I was cleaning up the living room or something. So I was listening. And I remember my dad saying to my brother, Jason, I know, I know this seems like just an easy decision. But as we thought about it and prayed about it, I hate to tell you this, but like we're, we're not going to let you get out of this class. We're not going to let you skip out on seventh grade math. And we're not going to let you change teachers. Like we believe it's the right decision for you. You don't understand it. I know that. We believe it's the right decision for you to stay in seventh grade math. And Jason was like, why? I don't understand. Why would you do this to me? My dad made a very profound statement. He said, Jason, you know what comes after seventh grade math? Eighth grade math. And if you skip out on the rest of seventh grade math, you're going to arrive at eighth grade math unprepared. And so I know it's hard. We're going to help you. We'll get tutors if we need to. But we're going to stay in it so that we can be better prepared for what comes next. I know for some of you, you're like, listen, you tell me my purpose, and I'm in. You tell me my purpose, I, I, I'm ready. Like, I'll do it. If you just tell me where it's at, what to do, like, I, I'm in, I'll go run to do it. But what if God is saying to you about your purpose? No, 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 let's wait. Let's get you on the discovery track. Let's help you to walk through a process, walk through a journey. Let's get you into a mentoring relationship. Let's help you to process some things and work through some things and give some things to God that are kind of hurting you right now. Like, let's work. Do not rush seasons of preparation because ultimately what happened in the story of Moses is it set him back. If you try to get ahead of God, if you try to run out there on your own and fulfill the things on your own that you think are right, ultimately you will find yourself further behind because it is not the plan of God for your Life. Proverbs 19.21 says it this way. It says it way better than I could. It says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You and I can make tons of plans. We've made a ton already at the beginning of this year, I'm sure. Resolutions and goals and plans and ideas for the rest of this year. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to be. And all of those things are good. But the question that we should be asking is, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your purpose for my life? I've already referenced my parents a couple of times throughout the, the service today, and maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but I remember when I was a younger man, my parents said to me, they said, listen, the call of God on your life is God's business, but the preparation is your business. I used to think that when I heard the phrase call of God, it only referred to pastors. But the older that I get, the more I recognize that each of us have a unique calling on our life from God. That you're called, some of you, to be school teachers, to invest in the lives of children in your classroom, 
Some of you are called into different vocations within the medical field to care for those who are hurting, to be the hands and feet of Jesus that walks into a room where people are hopeless because of the report that they've been given. And just for a moment, even if you have to deliver bad news, you are called and equipped for that moment to be the light of God in a room filled with darkness and hopelessness. Some of you are called, maybe in this season or for a longer period of time, to be in your home caring for your children or your family or your grandchildren. And you're trying to figure out, am I missing my purpose? And God's like, no, I've got you right where I need you. Some of you are trying to figure out the call of God for your life. And in this specific season, that call over your life is to be a student and to learn and to prepare so that you are ready to say yes when God says now is the time to move. You have a calling on your life. And that is God's business. God is the one who calls people. I cannot call you to something. I can look at you and see potential in you and say, man, you've got gifts and you've got passions and you've got things that, man, we'd love to help you to connect that to some places of ministry and need in our community and in our church. But I can't call you to something. Only God can do that. But ultimately, the preparation for that calling is your responsibility. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. It says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wooden clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I want you to leave this up here for just a second, guys. Special purposes, common use. Can I tell you a truth that I wholeheartedly believe about you today, whether I know you well or I've never actually had a conversation with you? God desires you for special purposes. You are not common. God knit you together in your mother's womb. It doesn't matter if they told you you were a mistake. You are not a mistake. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, by a creative God who knit you together in a unique way that's different from any other person on the planet. You have unique gifts and abilities. You have a passion for things that you assume everyone else has, but nobody else has because it's unique to you like the fingerprint that exists on your thumb. God desires special purposes for you. And that's his business. That's his responsibility to call you for that purpose. So what is your responsibility? What is my responsibility? To cleanse myself. To be instruments ready for use. The preparation for the calling of God is on me. Here's what I believe. Salvation is God's work. I can't save you. I wish I could. I would if I could. But when you acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a savior, when you acknowledge that you understand that the wages of sin is death, and so because of who you are, separated from God, as we all have been, we all are at some point, when you say, I am a sinner, I have fallen short of the glory of God, at that acknowledgement and belief that salvation comes through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, God does what I can't do, and he saves you. He changes your eternal story and where you will spend eternity, that eternal destination we've already talked about. And then there is this process of cleansing us to more and more reflect who God is as we walk through this human experience. I was talking about this with one of my sons last night. It doesn't matter. If your heart is 80% reflective of God, but 20% still reflective of you, 
there's still work to be done. You're like, 80%, that's good, that's passing, right? I used to get money if I got an 80 on my, on my report card. Like, that's got to be good enough for God, right? No, if there's still 20% of me that doesn't reflect who God is, then there's still some work, some cleansing. And so I say, God, I open myself up to you. Help me to deal with pride, insecurity, fear, worry, sinful habits and behaviors that do not reflect your character and your nature. And while 80% is good, I just want to give you that last 20%. Every single day, I want to take up my own cross and die to my sinful fleshly desires and give away those things that are not of you. And I want to replace those things that look more like me than look like you with the things that absolutely look like you. God, cleanse me. I want to be used for special purposes. And maybe you look around sometimes and you see other people and God's doing amazing things through their life. And you're like, how do they do that? I can't speak specifically about it because ultimately callings are God's business. They're not mine. But I do see a pattern that God is not waiting on you to achieve some type of perfection. He just wants to know, are you willing to do the hard work? Are you willing to dig into your heart to remove those impediments that don't reflect him? And as soon as he sees that effort on your part, he's like, look at you. Look at what you're doing. My daughter is the worst room cleaner in our house. She's terrible. She's eight. But you would think she'd be better than this by now. But if we're like, Kenley, go clean your room. When she's done, it looks worse than when she started. She's just stacking stuff up in a different spot. I don't understand where that comes from. Probably how she sees me clean my desk sometimes. I don't know, but here's the deal. Listen to me. But when I see her cleaning her room, I have two choices on how to respond to her. I could say, wow, you are terrible. I, I'm, I'm not coming back to this room until it's perfect. Or as a good, loving father, you know what I could say? Baby, I'm so proud of you. Your books were over there. Now they're over there. Good job. <laughs> I mean, there's a bookshelf four feet from right where you're standing, but that's great that you moved it to the different side of the carpet. Okay. Let me come help you. Okay, you got some toys over here and you don't know where they go? Okay, let me, let me help you. That's what God does. When you just start cleaning out the mess of your heart and your life, and you're just like, I, God, I know it's not perfect yet. It's not fixed yet. Like, I'm just kind of moving stuff around. But like, I want to be used for special purposes. I don't want my marriage to look like this, God. I'm trying. I'm trying to control my temper, control my tongue, the things I'm saying. I'm trying, God. I think God responds much the same way. He says, okay, okay, all right. I see your effort. Let me help you. Let me help you. I've got special purposes in mind for you. I want to do things in you and through you that would blow your mind. Let's keep digging some stuff out. Let's keep working on you. Let's keep cleansing you from all unrighteousness so more and more when people see you, they see me. Like, let's just keep doing the work. Don't give up. Don't give up. Galatians chapter 6 says we don't, we don't give up. We don't grow weary in good doing. But in the right season, in the right time, we will reap a harvest. Just keep cleansing yourself. Just keep giving those things over to God. Every single day, every single moment, every single Sunday when you come in, you just say, God, I want to do the hard work. 
I just want to do the hard work and I'm not getting it all right. Would you help me? Would you come and help me to cleanse myself? Because I want to do the things that you want done in me. Because here's what I know. I've watched it time and time and time again. In the church, in culture, in social media, we've all seen the stories. You can be the most talented, gifted, charismatic person on the face of the planet. But your talent will not carry you farther than your character and integrity can sustain you. It won't. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are and how you can walk into a room and everybody stops and looks at you. There will come a moment when you have been elevated and elevated and elevated beyond your willingness to cleanse yourself and your character and your integrity cannot sustain the platform that God desires for you. And we look at other people and we look on social media and we hear the stories in our jobs why somebody else is getting promoted and we're not. But what if our loving Heavenly Father who's trying to help us do the cleansing work, He knows we're not ready yet. Be patient in the seasons of preparation as God crafts His purpose in you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. In just a minute, we're going to Celebrate life change through baptism. And if that's you and you're ready to be baptized, in just a moment when I say man, they're going to lead us in a song and I'm going to ask you to step out into the lobby and some folks are going to help you to get prepared. But as you're just sitting right where you're at right now, everybody in the room, just a quiet moment of reflection, believing that God desires great things for you, special purposes for you. He has a purpose for your life. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. If that's us today, we say, God, we want to know. And with nobody looking around, if you would say, Jeremy, I know for me, I need to enter into relationship with God. I need to accept the free gift of salvation that comes through the work of Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need Him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, I just want to say yes to God. I don't know what the question will be. I just want to say yes to God. Posture myself to say yes to God. And be ready whenever he asks me to step into my greater purpose. In this season of preparation, I'm going to trust him. But I just want to be used for God for special purposes. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you today. We thank you for who you are and we thank you for all that you've done. I pray now for those that lifted their hands to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Forgive their sins now. Change their eternal destination. We thank you, God, that you do it. God, now I pray for every person that lifted their hands to say, I want to be used by God for special purposes. I want to discover my purpose. I want to maybe use discovery track and mentoring relationships, but I want to lean into the purpose that God has for my life. So God, we say yes. We posture ourselves to be obedient even before we know what you're asking. God, do amazing things in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.